Um, back in April, as some of you guys may know, I was here uh, as a guest speaker, and I told you a lot about myself, uh, but for those that were not here, uh, I'm not going to be recycling all that information and all of that. I'm sure you'll get to know me as the time goes by. Uh, but I'll give you a little brief introduction of myself so that I'm not a complete stranger to everyone here today. Uh, so I grew up in a, well, before I get to that, my name is Timothy Yoon, uh, or I go by Tim, and I come from the great state of Alaska. Right? Uh, people think that it's filled with snow all year long and there's nothing to do. Um, the filled with snow all year long is not true, but the nothing to do is very true. <laughs> One thing I really appreciated about Alaska, growing up in Alaska most of my life, uh, is the nature. And being able to experience God through nature was something special. And for me coming to California, there's nature here, but it's very different, you know. And especially uh, being in a town where you could drive literally five minutes away and experience all this nature. Here, drive for five minutes and be in the same city. Drive for 30 minutes, still be in the city. Uh, it's a little difficult, but I've learned to come uh, to appreciate uh, nature all the more. Uh, I grew up in a very large family. Uh, some of you guys maybe have one sibling, two siblings, three siblings. Uh, and you think maybe for you younger people like, oh, I have a hard time with my brother or sister or just maybe one or two of them. Uh, but I grew up with five, so I had a very difficult time uh, growing up. I have five sisters, uh, but all jokes aside, um, I have been blessed to have a family that has shown me so much love and have gotten me to this point in my journey. Uh, and I'm sure, like I said, you will learn more about me in the future, and I'll save that for another sermon or another talk. Uh, and I don't want to take too much time uh, talking about myself. Now, uh, something that I do say every week when I speak at a church, and I want to carry this tradition on as I bring it here to Glendale, uh, just as I have been called, as I strongly feel that like God has called me to speak and stand here in front of you today, I believe that God has called each and every one of you here for a very particular purpose. Uh, whether it be to hear the message, whether it be uh, to be there for somebody or to meet someone new, uh, whatever that reason may be, I believe God has called you here for a particular purpose. So I pray that on this Sabbath, um, as you have conversation with God, to really see uh, and ask God, maybe he has something in store for you today, and to be open and to be willing to hear and see what God has for you. So... Uh, to better understand me and my ministry, I believe it's so important to understand and see uh, from my perspective. And for some of you that have known me through either Kayan programs or maybe just heard another sermon of mine, uh, you would recall what my passion topics are. So there are two things originally that I love to talk about, uh, but there has been a third one that has been added recently. For those that know me, the first passion topic that I love to talk about is, does anyone remember? Brokenness. I love to talk about brokenness, right? Uh, and I'll go into more uh, depth about that. The second topic I love to talk about is community and outreach, right? And the most recent one is praise and worship. So I'll save, like I said, more of the details and all that for much later. Uh, but this Sabbath, I will be kind of going into a little bit of each. So when I was growing up, and maybe for you guys as well, uh, I had a role model, right? You know, the person that you looked up to. The person that really gives you guidance and helps you when you need it the most. The person that is there for you when you need it, when you reach out to them and they're always there. And as a young kid, I really looked up to this person so much that I wanted to be like that person, right? You guys have had that feeling where there's a person that you really, 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 really want to be like and so you literally copy everything that they do and they are. 
Um, so for that person, that role model for me was my father, right? He was a businessman. He was always carrying around things like his schedule book. He had his phone on his belt and he carried a Leatherman, you know, his tools and he had everything, his set of keys on his, his pants. I remember growing up as a child that I would always ask my father, oh, can I follow you around? Can I, can I go do this? Can I go do that with you? And I would ask him to buy me things, but I wouldn't ask him to buy me like toys or whatever. I would ask him to buy me a schedule book, right? And I would take that schedule book to school and write, oh, class at eight o'clock, right? And then, oh, lunch at 12. And you know, very simple things like that. Uh, I remember I had asked my dad for a phone. So he would give me this really old uh, like flip phone. Uh, I don't know if those are around anymore, right? I had a little flip phone with a little clip and I would put it on my belt and walk around uh, in school with that. Uh, I also took a Leatherman to school and obviously that didn't last very long. The school was like, you can't bring that. It has a knife on it. Like, you know, you leave that at home. Um, I wanted to be like my dad so much right, that I would dress the way that he would as well. So when I was growing up, and I don't know, maybe now, tucking in your shirt was not the thing to do, right? So I would get like these polo shirts and I'll tuck them in, the button-up shirts, and people would look at me at school like, why is a kid wearing that? Like, why don't you wear a t-shirt to school, right? Um, but I didn't care because I really wanted to be like my dad. So I would tuck in my shirt, wear dress shirts, the whole nine yards, I looked like my dad, right? Little version of my dad. And it got to the point where I even faked having bad vision so that I could get glasses because my dad wore glasses. I remember one day thinking, man, my eyes are kind of bad, so maybe I'll go get glasses. But I knew that if I wanted glasses, that I had to convince my parents that I was blind, right? So I remember one day in the evening, running to the pantry and grabbing some boxes of cereal, right? My favorite cereals. And I already knew what was written on the boxes. You know, they're my favorite cereal. I eat them every day. But I would put them on one side of the room and then run to the other side and try to read, right? What was on the boxes. And I guess it was enough to convince my parents that I needed glasses. So ever since I was nine, nine, eight years old, I wore glasses. And as you can see, and some of you that have known me for a while, I'm not wearing glasses right now, right? Uh, I didn't get LASIK, 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 I don't know how to say it. Uh, but I'm wearing contacts now, right? So, you know, when you wear glasses, things are much different, right? It's a different perspective. You see things differently. For the people that wear glasses, totally understand what I'm talking about. You know, when you go take a shower, you have to take off your glasses, right? You don't wear your glasses in the shower. At least I do, right? So I don't wear my glasses in the shower, so I can't see what I'm doing in the shower. When you go swimming, you can't wear your glasses. Uh, when you go get a haircut, you don't wear your glasses when you get a haircut, right? They ask you to take it off and you just sit there. Um, and if you're as blind as I am, which I'm very blind, when you take off your glasses, it's literally a different world. Everything is blurry, nothing is clear, unless it's like literally this close to your face, right? Is it only me that, that experience? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. So about a month ago, uh, after some convincing and encouragement from some people, I decided to make the switch from contacts, or from glasses, to contacts. And it wasn't necessarily just for the looks or whatever, uh, but it was a personal battle with things like low self-esteem and whatnot. And I had always hid behind a set of glasses frames. Right? My glasses had become my identity, my look. It became Tim Yoon, right? A lot of you guys from Kaim know me for having round circle glasses. And in your bulletin, Pastor Yoon found a wonderful picture of me from way back when. Uh, but I used to wear these circle glasses and everyone remembered me for that. But after I got contacts, it was really weird. It was odd. I was looking at myself in the mirror. I was like, who is that guy? Like, what is that? So for the first few days, I wore fake glasses that didn't have any prescription just to 
you know, kind of fill in that void. Uh, but I realized that after I started to accept the way that I looked, the way that people approached me, the way that people talked to me, everything changed, right? Strangers, I'd go to the market and they'd be so nice to me and I was like, man, like what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm the same person, but why are people so nice? Um, it's been a crazy past, past month, but uh, I've definitely grown uh, from starting uh, wearing contacts. But what was really crazy for me, after more than 13 some years of my life wearing glasses, things that I was not able to see when I took off my glasses, I could actually see. For example, I remember after getting contacts, I went to go get a haircut, right? This was the most revolutionary, like brain, like exploding experience I've ever had. I've always been traumatized by getting haircuts from people because I would ask them to cut my hair a certain way. You know, the typical like Korean ajumma would be like, cut it all off, right? And then you put on your glasses and you're like, oh my gosh, where's all my hair? Right? And they say, oh, it's okay, hair grows, or just put some gel in it, it'll be fine. So I had been traumatized by haircuts for the longest time. So I started you know, cutting my hair for myself and whatnot. Um, and it's just really odd because I went to go get this haircut, uh, and there's this lady that I trust uh, back at home uh, in Riverside, and she always would, would cut my hair and I, I would trust her. So I would just close my eyes and let it go. But this time, because I was wearing contacts, I was able to see everything that she was doing, right? So before it used to be sit there, be blind and see nothing and kind of see like a, oh, I, I think I look pretty good, you know, and she's finishing my haircut. But then I was able to see every little detail that she was doing with my hair, right? No longer was I imagining what my haircut looked like. I could actually see the haircut in process, right? It was no longer just, I hope she gets what I asked for. It was, she is doing what I want her to do, right? So, it was mind-blowing, right? And so my perspective changed. I saw how she cut my hair and it changed everything. Also, another thing, uh, I know you're not supposed to wear contacts in the shower, at least my doctor told me uh, that I wasn't supposed to, but when I took a shower with contacts on, I no longer had to grab random like bottles and be like, oh, is this shampoo, is this conditioner, is this body wash? I could literally see and just pick up and, and shower, right? My life had changed for the good just because I got contacts. Because of the contacts, I was able to see in a brand new perspective. You see, seeing things in a different perspective, being able to see things in a new way that you were not able to see before can really change everything. It can change the way that you talk. It can change the way that you present yourself. It can change the way that you interact with people. Perspectives can really make or break situations. So today I want to talk to you about a story in the Bible that deals with perspectives. It's not just one story, but it's multiple stories uh, about a person who had a very different perspective. And we find the story in the Gospel of Mark, Mark 8, 22 to 26. And we'll go ahead and I will read it very quickly. And it says in Mark 8, 22 to 26, it says, They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. And when he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hand on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were open and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. So when we hear this story, the healing of the blind man, probably the biggest question the modern day asks is, why did it take Jesus two times to heal this guy's vision? 
Was Jesus having a bad day? Like, did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed? Like, why did it take two times? Now, I strongly believe that there's a powerful lesson on discipleship that we can take from this healing of the blind man. But we can only have a better understanding of this specific healing and the lesson we can get from it if we understand what happened before. In Mark chapter 6, we find the story of what? We find the story of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And then a little while later, in chapter 8, we find the story of Jesus feeding the 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. In the gospel, we see miracle after miracle, right? That proves that Jesus is who he was, right? In these two great stories of the feeding of thousands, it demonstrates that Jesus is who he claimed to be, right? The Son of God. Right after the feeding of the 4,000, there was a confrontation between Jesus and the Pharisees because the Pharisees were asking Jesus for signs, right? Give us more signs. And if you think about it, you'd be like, wait, wait a second. Like, Jesus just fed 4,000 people. Is that not enough? Like, what, what more do you need? But after this confrontation with the Pharisees, Jesus and his disciples got on a boat, and Jesus warns the disciples of what? To beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Herod. But then you find a bizarre response from the disciples. At least for me, this is a very bizarre response. They discuss amongst themselves what Jesus had said. And they had come to the conclusion that it was because they didn't have enough sandwiches with them, right? They didn't bring enough bread. They had one loaf of bread, and so Jesus was telling them this, right? But you see, the problem was not bread, right? Or how much bread or sandwiches that, that they could make or whatever. Jesus was totally aware of what was going on. And so he responds by saying, why in the world are you guys talking about bread? Right? You see, Jesus wasn't addressing the issue of bread. That clearly wasn't the problem. The disciples had failed to see a bigger picture. There was something that they were failing to see that Jesus was really trying to point out. Clearly, Jesus was trying to point out to the disciples that he was who he had claimed to be. The Pharisees were asking for more signs and wonders, but Jesus was being point blank. He said, I am who I am. I am the Son of God. I am Jesus. There are some key words that Jesus brings up to his disciples. I want to share that with you in verse 17 and 18. And it says, Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? We'll stop there. You see, the Gospel of Mark is such a beautiful gospel. It's one of my favorite gospels because Mark is painting a beautiful picture and he's creating a moment of realizations for not only the disciples in the story, but for, for us as readers and the audience today. The healing of the blind man comes at a perfect time in the story because I strongly believe that Jesus was trying to teach a lesson to the disciples. You see, the first time the man can see slightly, right? Kind of see. He can see people that look like trees walking around. His vision is blurred. And then Jesus does it a second time. And the man looks intently, with intention, and was healed. And at that point, he could see everything. His eyes were opened, and his sight was restored. This in itself, I believe, is like a parable, right? That Jesus was showing to his disciples. I believe Jesus' intention was to show that his disciples are blinded to who he really was, his identity. It's not to say that they didn't know who Jesus was, but their understanding of who Jesus was, was happening in stages, just like the healing of the blind man. We can confirm this if we look directly after the healing in verses 22 to 38. And for the sake of time, we're not going to read through all of it. But we see Peter's confession to who Christ is. 
Peter admits and he confesses that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Peter sees, but not clearly. He doesn't see clearly what Jesus' identity was. Because then we see after that Jesus is talking about his death and the suffering that is yet to come. And Peter's like, hey, not on my watch. Like, no way. Like, this is not going to happen. They don't fully understand. The disciples are confused. They can see, but they cannot see clearly. So today for my message, I want to ask you a question. Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears yet fail to hear? Are we like the disciples blinded? Are we only seeing partially? Are we really seeing clearly? Today's message isn't necessarily about a two-step healing process or about bread or to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Today's lesson, today's message is talking about perspective. This same question that Jesus asked his disciples, I want to bring, to the, bring that question to us today as Christians, as a church, as members of this community. Do we have eyes, but do we fail to see? Do we have ears, but do we fail to hear? You might be thinking, okay, Pastor Tim, tell me more. What do you mean? Like, what does that mean? So as I begin my ministry here at Glendale, I really, really wanted to share, as a first sermon, my perspective and what I believe we as a church should do and how we should move. And I believe that perspectives can, like I say, make us or they can break us. We as a, ch- a church teach a message of to be like Christ, right? Let's be like Christ, to have a Christ-like mentality, to follow in the footsteps of Christ. Jesus all the way, right? We say that. But what does that look like? When we look at the overall life of Jesus and his ministry, we see how Jesus, who was an educated, that, that learned the scripture and had the knowledge like the Pharisees, took his ways of teaching and living on a totally different radical scale uh, than the Pharisees did. You see, Jesus hung out with what kind of people? He hung out with people that were hurting. He hung out with the oppressed, the afflicted, the people who were considered the outcasts of society. Jesus taught over and over. He says in Mark 2, verse 17, that it's not the healthy that needs a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but the sinners. It's clear to me, right, that Jesus hung out with hurting, sick people, broken people, right? It's with the people who were hurting, the odd people in society, that Jesus hung out with them. The Pharisees, of course, they were disgusted and they were shocked, right? They were like, how in the world could you, a teacher of the law, how could you hang out with people like that? It's so taboo, right? Like, who in the world? But you see, Jesus had a different understanding and philosophy than the Pharisees. He had a different perspective. Jesus saw people differently than the Pharisees saw people. Because you see, the Pharisees, they saw people that would possibly contaminate them or make themselves dirty or or unworthy of of religious ceremonies, right? They didn't want to risk the chance. But Jesus, Jesus simply saw all people, everyone, as broken people. You see, there's two different types of leadership that is shown here. Pharisees showed a more self-centered approach to leadership, while Jesus showed a more servant-like approach in leadership. And we as Christians, we should strive We should strive to be more like Christ. Amen? Amen. We are called as Christians to go and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are called to go and love one another. We are called to live a a life like Christ. We say that as a church, and we say that as Christians. But how often do we find ourselves struggling to live that life like Christ? To To be one that is for the people, to be one that is with the people, all about the people, just as Christ was, 
We talk about it so much, but how is it practical? How do we make it practical? And this is where I believe that perspectives is so, so important. To see in the eyes of Jesus. If we can see like Jesus saw, then we can be more like Christ. Otherwise, we start doing things in vain, with no purpose, with no heart, with no meaning. And frankly put, we can become stumbling blocks to, to God's plan. By seeing in the eyes of man, we end up having more of the eyes of the Pharisees. But by seeing in the eyes of Christ, seeing the brokenness in people, we can end up becoming more like him. So you may ask, what did Jesus see? And how can I see that too? You see, I strongly believe that when Jesus was on, on this earth, in his ministry, that Jesus saw everyone as broken people. So in order for us to have the eyes of Jesus, we need to understand that we are all broken people. Not some, not few, but all of us are truly broken. And unfortunately, we have created a culture, a society, that focuses on this, oh, let's compare it to one another. Uh, let's compare each other to other people, especially in our churches. For example, how many of you guys know of the, the phrase, Om China? <laughs> Anyone know that? Some of you guys are like, what is Om China? Omma Chingu Adur. Okay, what do you think that means? So there's this thing, I don't know if it's just in the church or just in, I think it's just, just in general. It's like, you know, you go home and your mom is like, hey, so you know my friend's son, you know, Johnny over there? He's really smart and he's like super athletic. He studies so hard. Why can't you be like him, right? That's Ong China, right? So when I was growing up, when I was in high school, uh, I used to uh, play in the, the orchestra at my high school. And I remember there's two tiers of, of, of orchestra, in Alaska at least. Chamber orchestra and concert orchestra. No, I thought chamber orchestra was cool. All my friends were there. I was first chair, second violin, Ooh, right? I was so excited. And my mom was like one day, that's my Korean name. You know our neighbor, he's in concert orchestra. Why are you in chamber orchestra? I'm like, mom, I'm a freshman. Like, what, why do I have to be in concert orchestra? None of my friends are there. I'd rather, I'm a first chair violin. What, what, what's the problem with that? She was like, do you want to be the tail of a, of a dragon or the head of a, a, head of a rabbit? I said, mom, what does that have to do with anything, right? So I know this isn't really a spiritual example, but this comparison to others, right? We do this so much. It's like, oh, at least I'm not like this person at church, right? Or at least I'm not like her. Or at least God favors me, at least, at least I think so, right? No, no, like this stuff, Jesus did not see this way. And if we are to imitate the life of Christ, this kind of mentality has to go. We have to understand that being a Christian isn't about a race to heaven or who can get there first. It's about a journey that leads us to a deeper, more personal and intimate realization of who God is, what God's love is all about, and what God's will is for our lives. That's what it means to be a Christian. And you see, we have to break the way that we think. We associate brokenness and being broken as, as like a negative thing, right? We think of, oh, broken, like, oh, that's not good. Let's get something new. Let's get something better. But, you know, in our church, there is no shame in being a broken person. Because we are all intrinsically broken people, once we're able to change that perspective, we can really become the church that, that's promised in the book of Acts as we come together as a community, as broken people mend one another. This is 
the eyes of Jesus. This is how Jesus saw his community. It is so important that we begin to see in the eyes of Jesus. Because once we start to do that, we can begin to create a community. We can begin to create a culture and a society of people who not only recognize and see the brokenness and broken circumstances that people are in, but we can also become a part of God's plan to help restore them and also restore ourselves. My prayer and my hope for us today as we study the life of Jesus, as we look at this account of perspectives, right? as we see the interactions and the people that Jesus uh, associated himself with, that we can begin to have the eyes of Jesus, that we, be, that we can begin to see in a different perspective than what the world sees, that we can not only understand, but truly, clearly see how Jesus saw the world. And with that, I truly believe that we can live our lives following the character and the nature of Christ. So we can live a life that accurately depicts the life of Jesus. Amen. My hope and my prayer is that as we, as a church, reach out to our community, reach out to one another here at church, that we no longer see ourselves as, oh, that person is greater, that person is as lesser, but rather we can come together as a church and we can see the brokenness in each and every one of our hearts, right? As we understand and realize this, then maybe we can see in the eyes of Jesus. Maybe we can see and understand the way that Jesus saw us. And once we do that, we can come together as a church. We can come together and make big differences in our community, in our own churches, in our own homes, in our own lives. I hope and pray that this is the case for us today.